Welcome to Empowered Returns, a show that surfaces forward-thinking real estate advice that investors and developers need to help them invest smarter and build better. All right, welcome to another episode of Empowered Returns. I am P.T. Weinberg, the founding partner here at Charles Gate, uh, flying uh, somewhat solo today on the host front with no Mike DeMella, but really excited to have uh, Caleb Manchester joining us today. He is the president of Gansett Ventures a uh, local developer developer here in Boston and uh, really, really fired up to have Caleb join us and give us his insight on the development world. What's up, Caleb? Appreciate it, PT. Where's DeMello today? It's just doing his thing, doing his thing. <laughs> I, you know, he's, he's kind of realized that I'm really the better looking, more engaging face of the franchise here. I and so it. I'm just kind of running with these past few weeks anyways, but it's, uh, it's good. We're really excited to have you. Um, you know, been a, a, a good Turn to a really close friend over the years and, and a, a real valued uh, client and someone I admire the work you're doing. And let's kind of jump into it. So just let's give a quick background on how you got started with Gansett. You know, you kind of worked in the development world previously, kind of bigger institutional shop and and then ended up making the, the jump to, to you know, going the entrepreneurial route. How did that all come about? And sure. Um, um, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going. <laughs> uh, yeah, I ended up at Cabin Cabin Forbes um, after uh, I went to grad school in Connecticut. Uh, ended up uh, ended up back here in Boston. I was actually here after undergrad as well, um, <clears throat> but uh, worked with uh, with Jay Doherty and some of the boys over at CCNF um, up until 2016. Um, great guys over there. Love Jay. Um, in touch with all those guys still. Um, some guys are off doing their own thing now. Uh, Mike Bajulian's running Alliance for the Northeast. Um, cool. You know, yeah. so I uh, didn't, didn't leave because of them, put it that yeah. way. Um, yeah, look, so uh, C- CCNF is a, a merchant developer, right? A lot of the developers around town are merchant developers. Um, you know, probably part of my background influences this, but I am, uh, I don't want to be a seller of real estate. Yeah. Um, my, my goal, uh, and you know, what we're putting into practice now is building, uh, rental housing for long-term ownership. Yep. Um, you know, and there's a, a future exit there somewhere, a liquidity event. Um, but that's, that was the reason and, uh, where we're at right now, look, we've, um, uh, between stuff that we, you know, this is since 2016, but between stuff that we're doing now and have done, we've got about 800 units. Um, in varying stages of production, a couple complete. Um, you know, it's about uh, 450 million of cost. Um, so hopefully a lot more than that in value. Right. And uh, <laughs> we'll see what it the is. market does. It is. I've seen some of your work. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so look, we're we're that's the goal that we're working towards yeah. is you know um, long term ownership, creating residual, um, have some liquidity events. Cool. So yeah. kind of like typical trajectory, right? When you go out on your own, you've also done a couple condo deals to try to kind of build bankroll to, you know, I'm assuming that was sort of the, the, the strategy behind that. That is was to, a strategy. You know, I didn't yeah. have any money. Yep. Yeah, there you go. So the first one, um, you know, that we actually worked on with you was Lumen Charlestown. It was a pretty cool project. Can you talk about sort of how that came about and just sort of how that went for you, what you learned, um, you know, on that kind of first project? Because it was kind of a tough I mean, let's be honest, right? Like it was kind of a tough site yeah, in a lot says, of ways. Says but, the broker who brought it to me. Yeah, right? okay. but like you know, in a good way. You know, I, I mean, we knew that there was still good value there, and that yeah, there was a market for it, and all of that proved to be true. But you know, on its face, it was kind of wedged between some non-ideal abutters, and it was a tight site. You know, from a construction standpoint, I'm sure, and 
um, just kind of talk about that project and, and sort of, you know, where that, how that kind of helped you as the springboard to, you know, the growth you've had getting towards the 800 units. Yeah, look, that, uh, so at, it was 2016, it was the first project that we did. Um, at the time, I needed to do a project, right? Um, I was not a Charlestown guy, right, at Cabot Cabin Forbes. We were working, um, we worked in Quincy, worked in Cambridge. Uh, we didn't do much in the city of Boston. Um, and Charlestown is a place that I had spent some time, but not a place I had ever done any work. Um, I think I had the benefit coming into that project of not being a Charlestown guy. Um, and you see that for local guys in a lot of markets, there are areas that have a taint on them from something in the past, right? Um, so being next to public housing in their mind, you know, they remembered 20 years ago when that place was a disaster. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, I lived in the South End at the time uh, and I backed up to public housing in the South End. And no issues whatsoever, right? It's it's urban infill development. It is what it is. People yeah. people live together. It's mixed income. It's great. Yeah, it, it's actually kind of because we've worked on a few different projects that have had that dynamic, and you know, especially talking at the nascent stages of those projects to you know uh, capital partners, lenders, like you know that 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 comes up a lot. And I really got to say that, it, and, and candidly surprised me because I thought it would be much more of a factor um, on the first project we did. And it was a total non-factor. And that's why I had the confidence in it when we brought- What was that first project? That Where was, was that? the one in uh, Lancaster, 1501 Com Ave in Brighton, right? So that was a budding Fidelis way. Um, and then when, you know, again, our experience there, which was like that it was a total non-issue, really sort of opened my eyes to the fact that, to your point, with the South End analogy and you look at everything that's happened around like Blackstone Square and all that in the South End. And, you know, that's just a part of urban living. And I think that it gets sort of overplayed in a lot of people's minds that it would have, you know, some kind of perceived negative impact on on a development. But um, I think Lumen sort of validated what we experienced in Brighton over in Charlestown. And it really didn't come into play during the sales process. And, yeah. You know. And I think, you know, again, back back to you know, other folks maybe not seeing uh, the uh, the vision there. It was a relatively small project, right? It was 30 units. So it was probably a, it was a 15, $16 million project um, from soup to nuts there. And that is, you know, there were a lot of, as a result, a lot of local guys looking at it. You know, you didn't have somebody parachuting in from New York to do a 30 unit uh, condo project in right. Charlestown, right? right? So the, the guys that were looking at it were all guys who, you know, were familiar with that location and been for a long time. Um, you know, that was a benefit to me, obviously. Um, and it, that was a tough one to get done, PT. I mean, I think you remember it, right? Um, uh, the guy who was flipping the permit was, uh, was a friend of yours or a client of yours, rather, um, and you know, we wasn't able to deliver the due diligence materials. We ended up having to go talk to the underlying seller. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember that that was, that was, there's some idiosyncrasies with putting yeah. that together. Yeah, but it was like, you know, that was a classic case of, you know, like you said, you needed a project, right? We really wanted to put that deal together and there was a level of sort of resourcefulness and hustle that went into that. And I got to credit you on really spearheading that. Um, given the dynamics we were talking about, you had to. Yeah, and likewise for yeah, you, you not know. murdering me, but. Yeah, but yeah. like, you know what? You had to do what you had to do to get it done. You did and it all worked out. Worked out. Um, um, yeah. 
yeah, so we ended up getting a little bit of extra due diligence out of the underlying seller. Um, you know, went, went hard deposit and ended up, uh, you know, I had to go through every page of my Rolodex uh, to raise the money to do the project, um, but we ended up getting it done. Yeah, so that's a good segue. So that was your first project in partnership with what's really become kind of your de facto affiliate, right? Yeah. With, with Helge. Yep. Um, and so kind of talk about that. And maybe that's a good segue too. just, you know, touch on them specifically, but then sort of how you've seen that change over the course of your projects. A, your project's gotten bigger since then, but B, the capital markets have clearly changed a little bit the past year. So just sort of like talk about that relationship with, you know, held specifically and then sort of parlay that into sort of what you're seeing as you're trying to put some of these other things you're working on currently together. Yeah. Um, so I had met Oleg Yuritsky, uh the year prior um, to doing that project. We had talked a little bit. Um, and, you know, when I called him with, with that project in hand, he was, he was excited. Um, and I was excited that he was excited. And it, we kind of hit it off right, right from the beginning there. Um, so uh, we raised a little bit of outside money together. Um, went and did that project, and we very quickly rolled right into. And PT, you did a fantastic job, you and your team, selling that project out. Um, <clears throat> but we rolled Thanks. pretty uh, pretty quickly into a project up in Revere, which is a market that we focus on very heavily. Uh, and it, so Oleg, his team, and I have um, you know kind of parlayed that the same structure that we had in place on the first one into several projects now. Uh, the, the next one was up in Revere. It was a 75-unit apartment building, better fit our overall model. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so Helge Capital is, a, they're traditionally an owner-operator of real estate, right? And so uh, me and my team function effectively as, uh, as our development team. Uh, we have one project that we're working on out, outside of Helge Capital, but uh, everything that we do otherwise is is with Oleg and his team. Yeah. So kind of how have you seen the, um, you know, the, that climate change for you guys over the past year, both, you know, with Helge, have you had to sort of restructure how you're looking at these deals given the capital markets or the types or and or availability of capital that you're able to collectively go out there and find, you know, and debt, sort of what's that looked like as you kind of have rolled into, you know, again, you've got Bennington going, which is a bigger project. And um, and I know you're working on something else, which I want to get into in a, in a little bit. That's really cool that sure. I think would kind of excite people because it's outside the box. But yeah, um, look, we're, I mean, both Helge and us are, are very selective. Uh, we don't have huge capacity to do a large number of projects. So right. we really pick our spots when, yep. we're, when we're doing a project. I have a small team. It's only three of us. Okay. Uh, and uh, on the capital market side and the Helge team, they're a small team as well. They, uh, their property management team is bigger. Um, you know, in the last year, uh, we've seen, you know, obviously the availability of debt has diminished. Uh, you know, we're paying, you know, in some cases seven and a half, in some cases up to 10% uh, interest on construction debt right now, which is super challenging to our performance. Yeah, and just to, to contextualize that for the audience, like what was that at 90 in Revere? Oh, Jesus, 3%. Three, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> three, three and a half. Like, yeah. Yeah, not know, insignificant. Yeah, so I mean, it's you know, it's a million dollar hit to the budget in right. some cases, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> and that'll that'll burn your contingency in a heartbeat, uh, and you need that for you know other unknowns. Yeah. Always, so yeah, 
All right. So let's sort of, uh, we talked, you know, you talked about 90O, you mentioned Revere specifically. That's a yep. big market for you guys. Um, before we get into the project that I kind of want to focus on, let's just sort of talk like macro level entitlement, permitting, you know, you've got some experience now in Boston, right, with Lumen, obviously with 90 Ohm Revere. Um, how has that impacted where you're going to hunt for deals based on your experience to date and just kind of that sort of macro climate right now, kind of candidly, politically, that's driving some of the, you know, what I'll just say is uh, arduous uh, permitting and entitlement process and sort of how are you looking at that? And are there like areas you just won't touch? Are there areas that you're gung ho on? Is, are there, you know, how are you kind of looking at that as part of the secret sauce as to what you're really trying to, to go execute on versus what you're like, you know what, forget it. We're not even going to bother in that, you know, place A or place B. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of know what we're good at. Right. Um, and we, we, we know what we don't know. Um, and all these municipalities operate differently, different political climates, um, different, uh, you know, different consultant teams that operate in those markets. Um, you know, if we're going to go somewhere outside of a market that we're typically in, we have to spend a lot of time um, diligencing our, our team and ourselves getting up to speed, right? Uh, we've had a fantastic run uh, in Revere. Uh, we love the city, love yep. the location. We've got a great team there, um, and so we've spent a lot of our efforts in, over the last few years uh, in in Revere. The project that I referred to a couple of times, right? I mean, I just think it's like super cool, a, and then b. It's definitely a little bit different than you know some of the other stuff that we've talked about on empowered returns, just sure. because you know most people are just buying you know an old gas station or you know a vacant piece of dirt, and you know then then permitting and and developing. But this is a trailer park and it's uh, talk a little bit about sort of, you know, how you found it. What are the different dynamics that you're you're dealing with? I know that you're kind of in your, you know, still in your planning phase as far as what's going to happen there. But just as you've, you know, had to as you acquired it and now have been operating it and, and sort of what the delta is on the amount of value there given some of those circumstances that are just different than, like I said, the typical parcel of land that people are going to acquire to develop on. Yeah, sure. So uh, this is another project with with Helch. Um, Oleg and I uh, acquired the site about a year and a half ago. Uh, the site is it's in the city of Revere, let's say. And uh, you know, things that we like about the site are the things that we like about sites in general: um, access to transit, need for housing uh, in the city of Revere. Uh, close to amenities. It's tucked right behind Suffolk Downs. Um, so you get uh, new employment there. You got retail. You've got access to the tea. You've got access to the beach. Lots of good bars and restaurants. Yep. Um, and so that's why we like the site. Um, it's close to Route 1A. If you drive, you can flip around and be in Boston in 15 minutes. On the tea, you're in Boston in 15 minutes. Um, and we think that rents up there, you know, it takes about the same amount of time to get downtown. Uh, from the seaport as it does on the blue line from Revere. Right. right? And so that's that's kind of the value prop that we see there. Um, <clears throat> we, it's a, it's a five-acre site, okay. give or take. Uh, it's 103 existing uh, mobile homes. Um, and the park is in relatively rough shape. 
a lot of police calls there. Um, you know, the, the city's been fantastic working with us um, to, you know, manage, uh, keep the park safe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our, our plan there uh, is to discontinue the use as a trailer park. Um, there's a two-year statutory uh, process that you have to go through to discontinue a manufactured housing use. Okay. Um, the reason for that, uh, and that's a state statute, obviously, right? Um, the reason for that is that, you know, while these things are um, called mobile homes, in a lot of cases, they're not mobile, and people have lived there for a long time. Um, and you're asking somebody in some cases where they own a mobile home to pick it up and bring it somewhere else because they lease the land from us, which right. is, which is a challenge. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, our plan as we go through the discontinuance of that park is we've been, um, I think pretty generous with our buyouts of tenants, um, our relocations of tenants. We've located folks in, uh, buildings that held Jones. We've located folks in, uh, other rental situations that we've identified. Yep. Um, we've helped people move out of state. Um, and so we've kind of gone through that process, uh, you know, over the last year and a half. Uh, our consultant down there is actually the same guy that helped Bob Kraft uh, vacate a trailer park where Patriot Place used to be. Oh, wow. Uh, guy, okay. Jack Mola. Um, great guy and uh, really, you know, understands the process in and out. Um, and so that's kind of the, the process that we've been going through as we identify what it is that we want to do with the site ultimately. Uh, it's located in uh, TED zoning, T-E-D. Okay. And in that zone, you can do a ton of commercial uses. You can yep. do distribution, office, uh, you know, warehouse, retail. There's a ton of uses that you could do at a 1.5 FAR. Okay. So you can, it's uh, five acres. It's got a lot of build, buildability. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> uh, we think that the highest and best use for the site is housing. Okay, uh, cool. You know, probably has some affordability component, right? Um, and we're uh, we're kind of working on our plan right now. We don't know exactly what it looks like, um, but that's that's the move right now to be continued. <laughs> to be to be continued. All right. Well, we'll working uh, through it, and we'll, uh, you, know, you know, Cube Three is looking at it with us. Oh, Brian, cool. Brian O'Connor yeah. and his team. Okay. Yeah, that's a great firm. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys worked with them on? Any of the other buildings? We, at Gansett, we have not. I used to work with them at Cabot Gavin Forbes. And okay. I'm really happy to be working with those guys again. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, um, I don't know. What, uh, you know, so you're in it, you know, we're, we'll call it your, you know, again, growing, obviously, where we're into bigger projects. We're probably five or six projects deep over the past few years. Is that about right? Yeah, uh, six as of now. Yeah, okay. Yep. So, what, what, what are some of the key takeaways, right? Over, you know, I think a lot of our don't fuck it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, what what have you kind of? You know, obviously, you've learned a ton, right? We all learn stuff every day. I mean, that's kind of the fun part for me about this business, right? Is like you're getting so much exposure to so many different things, and you know, obviously, some of it can really suck, and you know, you get some curveballs that you just can't foresee, and you're certainly going to swing and miss there, and then you got to figure out how to how to rectify that, but like, what are some of the biggest takeaways you've had, you know, now that you're, let's call it, you know, seven, eight years into this and, um, you know, what, uh, what are some of the things you're most proud of that you've been able to accomplish thus far? And what are some things that, you know, maybe some mistakes you've made that, you know, you can learn from and, and, and make sure you don't duplicate on the, on the next deal. Yeah. Look, in terms of being proud of stuff, it's, it's tough to, uh, 
tough to keep my head above water at any time. So, you know, unfortunately, I haven't really taken the time to step back and look at a lot of the stuff that we've done. You know, obviously, uh, you know, 90-0 that you leased up. I mean, that that project uh, by the 75 units in Revere. Yeah. Um, built that thing, uh, you know, finished it two years ago. You guys leased it up and, you know, leased it up. I think we underwrote about 15 units a month absorption. I think you guys doubled that. Right, yeah. Um, and so that thing- That, that thing stabilized pretty quick. That stabilized was, that was, super that quick, good, yeah. like a, a few um, months. Right. Crazy. And I mean, I think one thing too, and I remember talking about this with you at the time, and I would say, I don't want to speak for you, but one thing that, you know, look, we, all of the people and, and companies that we work with have sort of, you know, some different tendencies. I will say that you've really like looming crazy finish level, right? At the time for a condo at that, you know, that market segment, you know, marble baths, like that was just something that was sort of no one had been doing. And I think that that helped, right? 90O was really interesting because you had a major competitor right across the street that had the, you know, all these amenities, right? I mean, the building, riders, what, like five times the size of 90O, basically? Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> so you had five times, yeah, you had the, the ocean, like the true ocean frontage, you had pools, you had turbo amenities, and yet, you know, we're the 75 building, 75 unit boutique building across the street. And I think, again, finish level really differentiated you there. Yeah, um, we had to Yeah, in, in, in that location because we were competing with those guys across the street. Yeah. Those guys are on the water and we're just behind them back off the water. We yeah. had to differentiate in some way. Didn't have the amenities. Didn't We had some views, not the same views. Um, and so we did go kind of above and beyond rental product spec on the finish, both in the amenity space and but more particularly in the units. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, how <clears throat> how much do you value that as you design your buildings because again I think that that's something that you've excelled at right and focused on and I think it's paid dividends because the delta on the rents at 90O versus Ryder were certainly far less than I thought they would be I remember talking to you about that I was like sure. holy crap we're only what three four percent difference when you kind of figured maybe it would be closer to 10 Agreed. Um, so yeah I mean yeah. The, you know there are reasons for it beyond hey we got to compete with these guys next door you yeah. know the other reason is that again we're not a merchant developer we want to own this stuff forever yeah and so you know we want to use point. quality products that we're not gonna have to replace in a few years yeah okay. you know, a lot of guys look at it like that's somebody else's problem right, right, that, right. that somebody else is me yeah uh, <laughs> so uh, so we, we do spend some time on finished selection both both because we want our stuff to look nice right uh, you know we spend a lot of time uh, on design um, <clears throat> but also because we don't have to replace it immediately yeah, yeah. so uh, one thing we've talked about that like as you're as you're growing and obviously you've got some of these bigger projects coming here is sort of the whole working in the business versus on the business sure how are you balancing that and is that where you want it to be yet and what's sort of the the path to to getting you there if you're not quite where you want to be on that front at this point in time um, so the answer is no, I'm nowhere near where I want to be on that. I spend, you know, up until very recently uh, dealing with some issues on a project, I was spending 90 plus percent of my time working in the business. I was effectively a development project manager. Right. Um, and a lot of that is, I'm not going to say it's intentional in that uh, I wanted to be working in the business, but it was intentional in that we sacrificed um, based on the structure of our deal with our capital partners, we structured uh, 
we hamstrung ourselves a little bit on fee income, which supports, you know, our, our shop, pays the rent, pays right. employees, um, <clears throat> uh, in favor of back end. Uh, so, you know, we worked out a pr promote structure um, and back end deal that is favorable in, in my mind. I yep. think fair, uh, but favorable. And the trade it basically is that we're a little bit short on fee. Okay. Um, and so it necessitates that I work in the business because I can't afford to hire 10 guys. Right. Um, and so here we are. Yeah. You know, I need to, uh, I need to spend a little bit more time on our strategic planning, um, you know, getting out there and, uh, you know, dealing with the city, looking at sites, um, you know, but it is what it is. I spend a lot of time working on projects. Yeah. Which, yeah. which I don't not enjoy. Right. It's just, you know, it's not great for our long-term growth. Yeah. So. That's all right. You know, I think, I, I think all businesses, and I can certainly speak for myself here at Charles Gate over, you know, we're in year 20 here, you know, it ebbs and flows, right? Like you start scaling up and, you know, you go from a small company to a medium company and then you're trying to, you know, get to a larger company and, you know, you inevitably will have a push-pull between working in the business and on the business. And, um, you know, uh, it's just kind of nature of the beast, right? So you you talked a little bit about along those lines. Um, I know you're involved with an organization, EO. Yeah, right. I and, am. and can you just talk about that a little bit and maybe some nuggets you get from EO that sort of help you as you navigate that push pull we were just talking about? Yeah, sure. We talk uh, we talk a lot about working in the business versus on the business. Um, EO, it's a, a global network. Um, founders, uh, CEOs, um, some other criteria you have to have to, uh, to apply. Um, but really the, uh, the most impactful thing in EO I found is a thing called forum and they, uh, they put you in a group. Uh, my group is nine people here okay. in Boston, but it's, you know, between six and 10 like the skulls. people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like that. Yeah, right. This is, <laughs> yeah, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing the logo. Yeah, I was about to uh, say, yeah. I, I, I'm not even going to go into yeah. that logo because I asked you about it before and I don't want to kill your street cred, but I just, it's way cooler than anything I own. I know that. Um, so anyway, uh, forum, we get together once a month, um, you know, strict on attendance, uh, strict on communication protocol, all gestalt, all experience share, no advice. Um, but it's been, uh, it's been, really helpful. You get to hear a lot about uh, issues that other folks are dealing with in their businesses, you know, varying in scale from as small as me to very large. Uh, you know, we're all open and honest with each other. And it's, um, yeah, it's been, it's just, it's been helpful because I'm a solopreneur here. Yeah. Right. So right. It's, uh, I, I'm talking to you. You're the only guy I get to talk to. <laughs> Tough break for you, but it's all right. Um, all right. So what's, uh, the, you know, we'll kind of get towards wrapping up here. What's something that you feel really strongly about that you think a, most people, like most developers wouldn't agree with? Um, wouldn't agree with that. Uh, I think that we have a tendency to be more open and collaborative in our communication with people who would typically be viewed as competitors. Okay. Right. Um, so I've, I've found that you know, in a lot of cases, you're not really competing with the developer you think you're competing with for the same piece of dirt, right? Yeah. Um, and just, you know, I've been here in Boston this time since 2010, and I've got a lot of friends that do similar stuff in the city. Right. And, you know, I've found that you're better off than not, you know, being very open about, you know, 
what you're what you're looking at, how you're doing it, and people have uh, people have better ideas than I do, right? You know? And so, um, you know, that being open and honest inspires some reciprocation. Uh, and I think a lot of guys are pretty tight-lipped about a lot of the stuff that they're doing. And, you know, in some cases that's necessary, right? It's not public information. Um, right. But I, I found it to be beneficial. All right. All right. Um, let's kind of talk a little bit outside of work, right? I know that you— uh, Thank God, thing, finally. Right? Jesus. Well, we can't—you know, nothing too exciting. But I, I know one thing that you take a lot of pride in that, you know, you've been doing is I, I know that you go down to Yukon. And, I do. And, and do some uh, some guest lecturing and whatnot. You talk a little bit about that and sort of how, how that happened and and how often you're doing it and where, yeah, where I you're love going it. with it's it. It's really, yeah. uh, really fun, uh, something that I didn't expect to enjoy as much as I do. I went to grad school at UConn, okay. um, graduated there in 2010. Um, 2023 national champs. Indeed. Let's go. Go Huskies. Yeah. Uh, and so I had a, a professor a few years ago asked me to go down and just kind of talk to a class and it's become a more regular thing, a cool. couple, couple classes, a couple of professors and, um, you know, I'm trying to work on now a case study for, for a class down there, okay. which I'm super excited about trying to spend some time on. Um, that's not much more to it, but I, you know. My guys call me professor now. I don't think in a uh, endearing way. <laughs> <laughs> well, professor, what's uh, what's the best book you've read uh, lately? <laughs> um, so uh, a couple. One uh, one I'm currently reading is called Fixer Upper. Um, okay. It's about uh, affordable housing policy in yep. the United States. Fascinating. Um, and I actually just read the Michael Lewis book, The Undoing Project. Okay. Um, about the founders of behavioral economics. Right. Great. Smarter than you look, man. You know, some, 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 some good reads. True. No, that's not true. <laughs> um, so what's like, uh, what, what's a kind of fun and maybe not uh, well-known fact about you? Yes, yeah, so you made me think about this one. Um, so I forgot about uh, Rob Lowe Ooh. saved me from drowning in Steven Spielberg's pool. <laughs> a, what, what the hell were you doing in Steven Spielberg's pool? <laughs> um, so my my aunt, when I was uh, when I was a kid, uh, was a private chef. Oh. She was actually Steven Spielberg's chef. Oh shit! And so I was at Steven Spielberg's house, fell in the pool, and Rob Lowe jumped out. I could swim, by the way. Yeah. But Rob Lowe didn't know that. So Rob Lowe, <laughs> Dean Youngblood, some epic epic roles for that guy. That's awesome. You got a little you got a little Rob Lowe look to you, you know. <sighs> Maybe rubbed off of the pool seating. Stress, man. I'm going to need the same facelift. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. He did. That one. That one's that, that one's evident, right? Um, well, that's uh, Rob Lowe's a great segue. You would do a TV guy, like or a movie guy. What's uh, all what's all of the above? Yeah, um, all of the above. I love a good series, though. Okay, you know, give me you your know. number one all time series is number one. I've got a I've got a list. We'll go. I'm going to go the Wire. Yep. Boom. All right. All right. The wire. There's been a few wire references on empowered returns over the have their really? first few months. Yeah, I'm a that's my number one for sure. You know, if you know, I know I, I, I didn't. I've watched I'm not, all. I'm I've, not. I'm not pandering. No, I've watched all five <laughs> seasons probably seven, eight times. Kind of Fantastic. the foundation Se of my marriage three. might be the wire. I, I'm Se a big season three guy. Season yeah, the, the politics, Carcetti. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Stringer. We won't ruin anything I, for the well, audience, but anyways, uh, yeah, big. Big wire guy. What else? What Any, else? Anything TV else? Show yeah, like, like ah. anything you got going now that you're into? What am I doing right now? 
Now, look, I, I watch Succession, obviously, right? But I, uh, I'm, I can't watch them current, so I try to avoid the spoilers. I have to be able to watch like oh. three in a row. Okay. Um, so I haven't started the new season yet. Okay. But yeah, it's tough with social media to like not get the spoilers. Yep. Although um, old, old Seinfeld's on. You Netflix. a Yellowstone guy? Yellowstone? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a little bit. Um, compared to the HBO and Showtime shows, it's a little bit corny. Yeah. But you love Kevin Costner, so. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually, like, they better pick it up in the second half of this current season because it's gone a little off the rails. But, um, yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, appreciate you coming in. It's kind of always yeah. great chatting with you and, Thanks, and love what you guys are up to. I'm yeah, really one excited. of my, my uh, Chaitra that works for me in the office just graduated from Northeastern. So I want to say congrats to her and it's got a birthday next week. So happy birthday, Chaitra. Nice. All right. Yeah, we do. We do shout outs and plugs on this, shout on this right podcast now. all the time. <laughs> so Caleb Manchester, president of Gantz Adventures. Thanks again for joining us. And uh, thank you to our audience for tuning in to uh, another episode of Empowered Returns. Thanks a lot, PT. Thank you for listening to another episode of Empowered Returns. If you're a forward-thinking real estate investor or developer looking for actionable advice that will help you generate market-beating returns, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. I'm Mike DeMello with Charles Gate, and I'd love to connect on LinkedIn and further the conversation for any specific questions you may have. Thank you for listening.